0: Welcome to the Faith Driven Investor Podcast. If you're a fund manager, investor, or financial advisor driven by your faith or want to be driven by your faith, then you're in the right place. The best way to stay connected in the Faith Driven Investor community is to sign up for our newsletter, faithdriveninvestor.org. This podcast doesn't exist without you, our community. One of the things we've heard the community ask us for is help in finding great deals to invest in. And so we've launched Marketplace. It's a new platform of funds and direct deals, everything from private equity and real estate funds to ETFs, from philanthropic to market rate deals spanning the US and emerging markets. Check it out at faithdriveninvestor.org forward slash marketplace. While you're there, please send us any thoughts you have about how this podcast might better serve you or any questions you have about being a faith driven investor. All opinions expressed on this podcast, including the team and guests are solely their opinions. Host and guest may maintain positions in the companies and securities discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as specific investment advice for any individual or organization. Welcome back, everyone. Tim Keller. Tim is the founding pastor at Redeemer in New York City. He delivered this powerful message at last year's conference. In fact, it is such a compelling message that we wanted to share it with you. Again, without interruption. Tune in now as Tim Keller unpacks the hidden truth of identity formation, its habits, and its rituals in both the Western and greater world. Tim shares with us the cultural problems of both traditional, your community defines you, and modern, you define you, identity formation, and shows why the gospel is the only solution to living an authentic, impactful Life.
1: Hi, I want to talk to you about what it takes to be a faith-driven investor. Now at this point, at least in this talk, I'm not talking so much about people who are professional investors who happen to be Christians. I'm talking about how every Christian who wants Jesus Christ to be Lord of every area of your life wants to make sure that he's Lord over your your money, your wealth, and how you use your finances. Because all Christians should be people who use their money not just on themselves, but who are also investing in the good of others and in God's kingdom. And so let me talk to you about just two principles on how to be a person who is a, a Christian who is using God Uh, Allowing God to be in charge of every area of his life or her life especially when it comes to uh, The financial world. Here's two um, Principles the first one which I think People tend to miss because it's so foundational is you've got to make sure that your identity is solidly rooted in who you are in Christ and not in having money or being successful Uh, It's extraordinarily important Uh, So the first thing is you've got to make sure that your identity is Not your success or your money, but who you are in Jesus Christ Just some some thoughts on this David Martin Lloyd-Jones Who was a doctor uh, before he went into the ministry? He was a physician and a very prominent one Says he thought that there's a lot of people who you could have put on their gravestone born a man died a doctor and He's working back in a, in a time in which basically only men were doctors. But uh, what Lloyd-Jones is getting at is just this, is that some professions, being prominent, making money, having status, having nice big homes, becomes an identity. Everybody has to live for something. And whatever you live for most becomes your identity. Uh, I remember a couple times in my life... Uh, This really was driven home to me as a pastor. Uh, One time I was uh, counseling two women, almost at the same time, both of whom had teenage sons, both of whom were mothers of only one child, a teenage son, and both of their teenage sons were not doing well at all. They were becoming rebellious and and, uh, having troubles in school and so forth. And I do remember that even though both of them, their children, did not... Improve, and their their sons' lives did not get better, but one woman using the resources of the gospel was able to get through it, and the other woman just became more and more bitter and depressed. Uh, they're both professing Christians, and yet one got one was able to get through it, and one was became more bitter and depressed. I also was counseling with or working with two men, young men who were actors, single men, and they're both professing Christians, and they both were up for a great role that could really make or break their career, and neither of them got the roles, and neither of them did well in their career. But one man became bitter and depressed, and the other man got through it. And I came to realize, as time went on, that though they were, they were all Christians, all four of those people were Christians, nevertheless, uh, one of the actors had made acting into his real identity, not who he was in Jesus, And so when he failed to be successful, he like didn't have a self left. And one of those mothers, uh, though they were both Christians, one of those mothers, her real identity was being a good mother. So if my son turns out well and he loves me, then I know I'm a good person. But uh, uh, one had made that her identity and when she wasn't successful as a mother, she, she had like no self left. Now the reason I bring this up is because if If your success or your finances, your money, is your identity, you will not be generous. You will not be able to give it away as radically, as strategically as you should. You will tend to either not give enough away or you will tend to give it away and um, do it in such a way that you get a lot of um, uh, esteem. And you really will not be thinking about how do I invest this money in the good of others? How do I invest this money in the good of God's kingdom? You'll really be, it it really becomes you rather than something you can give to other people. And so uh, Luke chapter 10, there's a great place where uh, the uh, disciples are sent out to uh, heal and cast out demons. And they come back and they're really excited. This is Luke chapter 10. And they said, wow, God, sort of like that. Wow, Lord Jesus, uh, even the demons are subject to our name. We, we have all this power. And Jesus says to them, this is the old King James version, rejoice not that the demons are subject to your name, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And what he's actually saying is, you're getting too, you're, you're getting too much identity out of your ministry success. Your identity ought to be rooted in the fact that your names are already written in heaven. You're already saved. You're citizens of heaven. You're loved in Jesus Christ. That is the real thing that you should be rejoicing in. An identity that's received, not achieved. And so, first of all, you will never be a faith-driven investor unless you are willing to recognize that you must make sure your identity is in who Jesus is uh, and who you are in Jesus Christ rather than in your your financial success or your business success or the money you have or your possessions. Now, the second thing is going to be even more practical. That's a little more basic. The most practical thing is you have to make sure you are, secondly, you are investing in line with the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, what people are constantly asking me is, how do I let the Holy Spirit guide me Uh So I know where I should invest my money, which is another way of putting where I should give my money, where I should do philanthropy, for example, or where I should invest in a way that I know is gonna do really good in the world. And here's what I suggest. There's an objective and subjective way to let the spirit guide you. Now, here's what I mean by objective. The objective way is you want to put your money or give your money To uh, some ministry organization that is meeting an important need very well It's meeting an important need very well Uh, Which means you're uh, first of all you have to some idea about what is an important need you know mark chapter 2 Jesus is has a man brought to him on a on a uh, who's a paralyzed so he's carried in on some kind of stretcher. And it's very clear that the, uh, all of his... Maybe the, the man himself and all of his friends say his main need is he's paralyzed, so help him. Jesus Christ, first of all, comes up to him and says, my son, your sins are forgiven, which everybody is shocked at. Since he didn't come to get his sins forgiven, he came to get his uh, uh, his body fixed. But God, But Jesus shows that having your sins forgiven is more important than having even your body healed. And yet then he goes on and heals him anyway. So what you have in texts like this, and this is what a faith-driven investor needs to do, you need to be reading your Bible, always looking for this question. What are the most important needs as far as God is concerned? What are the highest priorities as far as God is concerned? I love chapter 2 of Mark because it does show that, that, um, that... Evangelism and 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 spreading the faith is an extraordinarily high uh, You know a priority on the other hand It's just as important to see that God also does care about the body He doesn't say well as long as you're going to heaven who cares whether you're hungry or poor or or paralyzed No, Of course he cares But you see when you read texts like that you see okay? What does God thinks and what does God see as important And so one of the things you're gonna do is from the word of God, you're gonna learn objectively, what are the most important needs? So you're looking for organizations and initiatives and ministries that are meeting important needs well. But subjectively, and here's maybe the most, maybe this might be the thing that many people remember most from what I'm about to tell you, is God has a calling on your life uh, and he's giving you certain gifts and the way you can tell what your gifts are is, what needs do you resonate to? Because one, time, one, one thing people are gonna say is they're gonna say there's so many things I could be giving my money to. There's so many things I could be investing in. How do I know where I should go? Well, I'm trying to say objectively, yeah, do some analysis. What does God say are important things and, 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 and look at it that way. But subjectively, what do you resonate to? Uh, when I first got to, New, to uh, Hopewell, Virginia, many, many years ago, I was 24 years old, I'd become a pastor, I'm a, brand, a brand new pastor, never been a pastor before, and I'm a pastor of this tiny little church in Hopewell, Virginia. And over the first three days I was there, I got a visitor each day, a different person. The first day, a visitor walked in and said, you see that trailer court at the end of the street away from the church? And there was a little trailer court at the end of the street. He said, you see that trailer court? There's lost people in there and our church is not evangelizing them So I listened to him The next day somebody came in a different person and walked in the door and said do you see that trailer court down at the end of the street? I said yes, I do I said do you realize there's poor people in there. There's people who just can hardly you know They don't have enough food to even practically eat and we really need to go down there And we need to find out ways in which we can help them help them get jobs help them uh you know support their children uh uh help them with job training and things like that. We really need to help them because they're poor. The third day, somebody walked in the door and said to me, do you see that uh do you see that uh trailer court down at the at the end of the street and I said, yes, I absolutely definitely do see that trailer court and they said, "Well, you know what uh, over the years, we've tried so much to have an outreach that, to the, that trailer court. We've tried to evangelize and we've tried to help them because there's so many poor people there. But the trouble is this church is just not administratively very smart. Nobody knows how to get things done. They have good intentions and they sit down and they say, we're going to do this and that. And nothing ever happens because our biggest need is we, we just need uh, you know better management here in this church. And I realized suddenly that here are three people that walked in the door, they looked at the trailer court, but because of their gifts, one of those people had a gift of evangelism, one of those people had a gift of mercy and justice and caring for the poor, and one of them had an administrative gift. And because of their gifts, they actually saw the need somewhat differently, which was great. By the way, all working together, that da you could really reach the trailer court but only working together. But it was, how do you know what those person's gifts were? I knew immediately, because it was what they noticed, what, they, what they resonated to, what, what gave them a certain passion. And that's what you need. There's nothing wrong with all these different great possibilities, but some of them you resonate to, some of them that you, you feel burdened for. That's the Holy Spirit leading you through your gifts and through your calling. Now, to really do this well, you need to take time, you need to pray, you need to journal, you need to talk to a lot of other people. But get your identity straight, or none of this is going to work, objectively ask, what is the Holy Spirit doing in this world? And subjectively, what is the Holy Spirit leading me to do in this world? And you will be a Spirit-led, faith-filled investor.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. We're very, very grateful for the opportunity to serve the larger faith-driven investor community. Hey, the best way for you to stay connected is to sign up for our monthly newsletter at faithdriveninvestor.org. And while you're there, we of course want to hear from you. We derive great joy from interacting with many of you, and it's been very rewarding to see people join the discussion now from all around the world. But it's also very important to us that you feel like this is your show and that you'll help make it something that best equips you on your journey, one that you're proud of and one that you'll share with others. This podcast, it wouldn't be possible without the help from many of our friends, executive producer, Justin Foreman, program director, Johnny Wills, music by Carl Kegwell. You can see and hear more of his work at summerdragons.com and audio and editing by Richard Barley of Cornerstone Church in San Francisco.